The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That's right, Rick. As we see William Byron continue to celebrate that poll, it is 5.30 East Coast time on a Friday, and that is reason to celebrate, and it's race weekend in Charlotte. Welcome to Fan Friday on the Mobile One Peacock Pit Box with Dale Jarrett and Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to join us in just a bit but if you're watching that you know he's up there so he yes. can't be here but he's going to move quickly to get yeah, here. Yeah we have no zip line for him to get here. That's but, a good idea. Yeah that would be a that's great. That's what we need yeah. for Fan Friday. Yeah that's the only thing they don't have here probably that's this true. weekend uh, for everyone. And if Marcus is listening to you <laughs> it could happen. Uh, yeah sure could. I don't know the, how much Junior would be in favor of doing something like that from up there uh, up top but uh, what a great qualifying session that was and especially for drivers that are sitting there that really needed to have something positive to start their weekend as they try to make to that next round of the playoffs. Yeah, and we have a fun next hour for you. We're going to have, um, actually, you're going to hear from Ricky Stenhouse Jr., obviously, in the news this week. Uh, Marty Snyder caught up with him, so we're going to hear from him. We've got some visitors that are going to come come by. We think Kyle Larson's going to come join us. We're going to talk about uh, Bubba Wallace, and we're going to see Joseph Newgarden, the NTT oh, IndyCar yeah. champ, uh, take a couple laps around the Roval. That'll be That's cool. going to be exciting. Yeah, see a whole different perspective of a car going around the Roval here, so uh, not, I don't think there's anything in the who knows what may be in the future uh, with that, with him being here. But uh, nice to have the champ here. Yeah, he was up here on the Mobile One Peacock Pit Box just a little while ago with Steve Letarte during that qualifying session. So you see his car getting ready. So William Byron on the pole. Really, Hendrick Motorsports front row uh, with Alex Bowman. Jimmy Johnson, quick. Yes. So, I mean, is that something that something to come? Or the fact that William Byron is going to go after those stage points? They kind of started that math equation yep. back in Sonoma at another road course. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, they did that, did it very, very well. I questioned what they were doing at that time, but Chad Ganass knew exactly what he was doing with his young driver here. Just an outstanding lap there. They set themselves up in position now to run the race that they want to, the way that they want to. Uh, he obviously has a very fast car. Uh, he steps up in big moments for these qualifying efforts, and what he needs is just another solid effort. Sure, a win would be fantastic, but just getting a good solid effort through the stages and then at the end of the race. Same for uh, Alex Bowman. Uh, he re- it was something he really needed in-, in sitting just outside there to try to make this happen. Yeah, look at Jeff Gordon. Yeah. Congratulate the 24 congratulating the 24. <laughs> Pretty cool to see here at Charlotte Motor Speedway and here on a fan Friday. You can't really have a fan Friday without Rutledge Wood. Hey, Rut. Hi, Krista. You know what? I got a really cool view, and I got to watch a little bit of the end of qualifying there with a bunch of fans that were down here on Pit Road. Uh, if you want to talk about a fan Friday, then let's give credit where credit's due. This kind young man got his mom a trip to Charlotte for Christmas last year through Chase Elliott's foundation. You're going to get to meet Chase. You got a helmet. You're ready. Did you know that you could get a Christmas present that good? No. I have a terrific son. <laughs> you really? Do. I introduced him to NASCAR. And now you've been here to Charlotte for the race before, but first time at the Roval. Tell me your thoughts so far. 
It's very intense. I'm sure aggravation is going to set in and there's going to be a lot of hot tempers along with the weather. That's for sure. What do you think? I mean, obviously you get an award for maybe, like, that might be the best Christmas present you could get your mom. I'm just excited. I'm glad she's here. She introduced me to NASCAR, and I'm ready for, fun, for some fun on Sunday. Now, you guys got to watch down here on Pit Road. You got to see him bringing so much heat in. We know Joseph Newgarden's going to get the IndyCar out here shortly. Did you know how cool this view could be down here? I had a hot pass before for the 600, so yes. Um, that's why I wanted to bring Mom along, so she could enjoy the fun as well. This is amazing. I mean, Krista, I, I feel like I'm going to have to get my mom a much better Christmas present after this. So we should, sons out there need to take note, uh, and daughters too. you got to bring the heat, especially for the Roval. Yes. Hello. I know, setting the bar pretty high. And Rutledge, are you going, to, is it true you're going to talk to Joseph Newgarden? Are you going to go track you know, him down? You know, that's my plan. Uh, I have a golf cart, but it's going to be real hard to keep up with that Indy car. <laughs> it is Simon Pagano's car that ran in the race last weekend, but I'll do my best. I'm going to try to find him for sure. All right, we're going to enjoy watching that, though. That's coming up in a little bit. Yeah, Fan Friday kind of fans come from all over. They to, do, to take yeah, this in. yeah. And this is something that is still very unique, even though it happened. You know, last year was the first year of this. It's different. I, I, I come in here thinking I'm coming to Charlotte Motor right. Speedway, but it, it feels like something totally different, which it is uh, for the drivers, and I think for us to discuss and talk about too. Yeah, even where we sit, the Mobile One Peacock yes. pit box is at pit out, but we're so we feel like we're so far away from the pit exit because they're gonna go down into that new turn one. Yeah, it was fun standing here watching, watching last year. Yeah, yeah. I, It was just amazing to watch how they navigate through that. My son Zach is out here today with me, and he wanted to come down and see that because it's something, you know, he saw me race around the, the Oval for many years but didn't see this last year, wasn't. So uh, it was pretty exciting to get out there and watch just how they do it. And then to come off the last corner, I mean, yeah. how much they were using that, and it was throwing the cars up in the air. Just incredible to watch Jimmy Johnson and Alex Bowman in particular uh, get a lot of air under that. I think that's why Jimmy likes it so much. Took him back to Took how he got back started. To his two-wheel days. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have Kyle Larson come up here. I think Kyle Larson is here. So uh, when we come back from break, Kyle Larson's going to climb up here. And, oh, Steve Letard is taking all. Well, so Kyle might not come up here because he's still down <laughs> below in the, in the basement talking to Steve. couple questions about the Roval. I imagine you might have kind of a love-hate relationship. Had a very good shot to win. You have the caution didn't come out, which set up big crash into one. Keselowski, Larson, both into the wall. I knew I was in bad shape, so I kind of was, I guess you can say, giving up. Up, up to R9. Maybe not. The leaders are wrecking. This pass right here allows Kyle Larson to move on. And Kyle Larson was watching that <laughs> along with you at home. You had to smile because it would take you back to, to what happened right behind us a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard like the, you know, that was a lot of audio I got to hear there. So, you know, it was a. Uh, yeah, that was a wild, wild last uh, few minutes for me there. Um, I mean, <laughs> just us driving into this wall over here uh, was not cool. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I was over um, and happened to just, I think that's about the first time in my NASCAR career I've ever gotten, like, really lucky. So um, I just wish we could have taken more advantage of it uh, throughout the playoffs. But, um, yeah, that was wild. 
I mean, as you were driving this car, I, mean, I just shake my head every time I see this, and we've shown it all week. But, I mean, this race car had to be a handful just to drive off pit road. Well, yeah, I mean, as you can see right there, it, it wouldn't turn left, you know. <laughs> so uh, I could turn right okay, but, um, you know, the right front suspension was so beat up that I couldn't turn left. So it would just go straight and uh, blew the tire out off of the oval four there and hit the wall. and then crushed the wall again before the start finish line so uh took a couple decent sized hits there but um enough to make it in the next round fortunately today's been a lot calmer day but you said that you thought you had a shot at the pole there may have got into uh the chicane there a little bit hot yeah yeah i felt like you know i ran a, a 95 or something my first first run there and and my second run felt a lot better and uh yeah i just got into the the car or the chicane um and just wheel hopped right before entry and uh was had to bail and uh yeah you know messed up and had to pull tape go back out and end up seventh so um with hot air or hot tires and, and high air you still ran a good lap with no tape but um thought i had a good shot of the pole you mentioned the chicane for people who may be new to to watching this it's totally different than last year how different is it i mean you obviously have to approach it a lot slower because they made it a true but kind of what is what was it been like in practice yeah i think it's better for sure you know it's uh, a lot less sketchy um you know how <laughs> it was heard that word twice really today. Yeah. you and clint boyer both describe it as sketchy <laughs> how it was before, you know last year gosh you're carrying so much speed and then that you know tire barrier and the and the curbing i uh, was just in a bad spot and it made it really really um just difficult you know the there was no room for error where this year you know it's it's just it feels more like a road course you know type corner so i like it um you know i think with a heavy braking zone too it helps open up a, another passing zone which is good so um i think i think the track and nascar you know, made a good decision of, of bringing you know it out into the infield some more talk about that infield seen a lot of action there in the cup series practice uh and also the xfinity practices that we saw a lot going on in there can you describe just how uh, tough that is and and how slick that uh the asphalt may be on the in infield part of this yeah definitely it's um it's hard to see from video but you know like exiting turn one here it's really rough you know through one and two um so it, it upsets the balance so you know i think that's why crashes have happened and then you know, all these corners are kind of fast you know fast right handers and you're trying to carry a lot of speed and your car's on edge and and it's, it looks like it's been really easy for people to step over that edge and then you know back it into the wall so um it's just uh it's such a it's a it's a fun track but it's you know tight and there's not much room for error anywhere yeah so you sit 25 points above that cut line right now what's your approach and and your thinking uh as far as how to play this race out uh, through the first couple of stages at least well last year we were 17 points above the cut line going into the race and won the first stage we picked up 11 stage points and then we had the crash and you know i got in on a tiebreaker so i think that shows how you know really I, I'm not safe right now, so uh, we got to make sure that um, you know we at least stay out of trouble and, uh, and and finish the race. I think as long as we can finish the race inside the, you know, obviously inside the top 20, uh, we will be able to make it in the next round. So, um, but I feel like I have a good shot to go out there and, and lead a lot of laps like we did last year and pick up a lot of points and and you know win the race. So uh, we'll work on our car some more tomorrow, try and get some more stability built into it and. and uh, so you can get a win for Clover and, and Chip Ganass Racing and have a good weekend. Do you feel like you guys have been sort of under or, you know, the radar in these playoffs? Because you're kind of that sort of the middle guys, if you will, in terms of at least where you are in points. And are you okay with that? 
I feel like we've kind of been under the radar slightly, you know, the last couple months. Um, <clears throat> we've been up front a lot. We haven't been too flashy about it, uh, which is good. And, and, yeah, our playoffs has been same thing, you know, good and, and not flashy. I feel like Vegas, we had a, a, a good run going, and we had a, a pit road penalty and, and fought back to finish uh, seventh or eighth or something. And then, you know, last week at Richmond, we just kind of were there, you know, just outside the top five all race and finished there and uh, gained a few points on the cutoff and, and you know, come to the Roval. So um, I think you can you can do that in the first round and, and maybe possibly the second round. Um, but once you get into that third round, that's when you got to start, you know, racking up the stage points and, and, you know, get a win. Yeah, so not to get ahead of itself because I know you got a lot of work to do Sunday, as you just pointed out, but uh, saying that you make it through this, you have to be pretty excited that Dover's first on the list, uh, one of your better racetracks over the years that might be a possibility to you know grab a victory quickly and, and find yourself in the round of eight. Yeah, for sure. I feel like the next round um, is better racetracks for me uh, you know, than this round. You know, we got Kansas and Dover. You know, Kansas I run really well at. Dover is probably my, my best track. Uh, you know, if you look at stats and things, and then you know, Talladega, anything can happen there. Yeah. So um, I could win or I could wreck. You know, the first <laughs> lap. So um, you know, I, I, I like the second round um, a little bit better than this one. You know, I feel like for me, you know, Vegas, I, I figured we would do good at Richmond. I'm, I'm either hit or miss there. You know, I'm, I'm either decent or I'm below average. Um, but thankfully, this time we were decent. And then uh, the Roval, you know, is kind of another wild card. Anything can happen. So. Looking forward to the next round, and then and then even even the third round if we happen to make it there. Aside from Martinsville, I feel good about Texas and Phoenix. So uh, hopefully it just goes smoother than we have for my playoff history. Well, thanks for coming over here. You're invited anytime. Next time, bring Audrey. We love her facial expressions during <laughs> yeah. this pre-race interview. Yeah, it's great. awesome. Yeah, so. she's she's a lot of fun and. Uh, yeah, she's a daddy's girl, so I love oh, her. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. And of course, oh, I'm gonna give a shout yeah. out to Owen. Yeah, and Owen. Casey's Owen's probably watching, watching so yeah. um, make sure you're not bugging Grandma right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some words of advice. Thanks, Kyle. And good luck to you on Sunday. Thank uh, you. Good luck. Hey, Rutledge, where are you? Krista, I am here on Pit Road, and Fan Friday is continuing because Joseph Newgarden is here with his Indy car, and he's about to take some laps around Charlotte Motor Speedway here at the Roval. And when I say Fan Friday, it's not just fans of racing. It's people that are in racing that are also fans of people like Joseph Newgarden. How about the crew chief that just got the pole? Chad Canals just stopped by a minute ago to come say hi to Joseph. It's so cool to see this car out here. Every photographer is out here. Everybody that has a minute that's not working on a cup car, I believe, is out here right now watching this. But they right now, they're not sure how many laps they're going to get. They put the red sticker tires on here, which are a little bit stickier. This is actually the car that Simon Pagino ran last week at Laguna Seca. They rewrapped it, uh, and you heard him mention earlier during qualifying this was something Shell wanted to do, but really exciting. We're going to try to talk to him after the laps, which could be two, it could be eight, or he may just pull the Richard Petty move and go until they black flag him, thus delaying the afternoon's activities. You really have no idea here. It could go either way, guys. That's what I thought. I thought Maybe he'll do what the king did and just stay out there. So we look forward to seeing uh, Joseph Newgarden out there in an Indy car in just a little bit. And like Rhett said, he's going to be right there and try to talk to him as well. And we also did talk today to the other part of that big news this week that happened with Rush Fenway Racing. You'll hear from Ricky Stenhouse Jr. when we come back to Fan Friday.
events and the Roval, the elimination race for NASCAR, certainly one of those down here at the Mobile One Peacock Pit Box. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. joining the party right now. Did you hear Dale Jarrett's suggestion for how a quicker way for you to get to the booth down here? A zip line. A zip line. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> he just leaves it at that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the Roval. We have some guests stopping by. I know you just missed Kyle Larson, but you were able to talk to him as he left the pit box. But the other driver that everyone sort of want, wanted to hear from is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. After the big news this week, Marty Snyder caught up with him. Ricky, let's talk about the happenings of this week and what happened on Wednesday. Uh, kind of walk us through the timeline of how it all went down and when you learned what you learned. Yeah, Tuesday night I got a text to, you know, stop by the shop. And then uh, Wednesday morning drinking coffee, getting ready to go work out. My agent calls and says, hey, they told me to come to the meeting. So then, you know, I started kind of speculating then. Um, and then, you know, 1130 or so, I kind of found out, you know, hour and a half or so before everybody else found out. So um, it was kind of last minute. But, you know, like I've told people and, and like I called Jack and told him, I mean, it's it sucks. It's, you know, gotten to this point. But, you know, looking back, um, you know, being able to come from, Mississippi racing dirt cars and sprint cars and you know what I was able to do there and then you know come win championships and and races for Jack and you know right now the the last two cup wins um, you know I was able to get for him so that's pretty special um, and like I told him I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity that that I had over 11 years uh, which is a long time um, you know I still feel like I got unfinished business in this series um, so hopefully I can find something to uh, to showcase that. I'm sure when you sit down in that meeting, the first question one would ask is why. Did you get a good answer for that question? No, not really. So uh, I think that's the frustrating part. I, you know, there's really no clear answer um, as to why, how, when. Um, I just know it was last minute for for my team and I, um, you know, to, to go look for something else. But, you know, we still got – you know, some races left and I'm looking forward to, you know, I know my guys on the 17 are going to keep giving me great race cars and we got some really good tracks left and we're going to showcase what we got for, you know, our sponsors on the car for each, each one of those weeks and see if we can't end the season on a strong note, looking for something else. You mentioned 11 years and in racing routes, you described Jack Roush as a grandfather yeah. to you. Does that make this more difficult? The personal relationships? It does. It does. And, um, you know, like I told Jack, I was, I was pissed off, angry, but you know, at the same time, I never thought I'd have a shot to come, you know, race for Jack Roush and that relationship that we've built. We've had some, we've had some tough conversations over the years. This is probably the the worst one, but um, you know, all in all, uh, no hard feelings to Jack and um, you know everybody at, at you know all the employees at Roush Fenway Racing. I've, like I said, I've been there so long. Um, you know, it was home and, uh, I don't know anything else. So, um, you know, kind of nervous, I, I guess about that, you know, not being at the same, same team that, that I've been comfortable with for a long time. But then again, I think change is good sometimes and see what, uh, see what the future holds. You wanted to wait to talk to Jack until Thursday night. You guys had a phone conversation. Was it a terse conversation? How would you describe the conversation? Uh, the conversation was, was easy really. Um, you know, I, didn't really have many questions it was more just you know thanks and appreciation for uh you know what he was able to help me with so what happens now is the phone ringing have you been calling people uh we've been contacting people trying to figure out what our next steps are obviously you know 
eight races left in the season, it's kind of difficult to, um, you know, drum up anything uh, spectacular when, when you when you weren't really expecting it. So um, my team's working hard on it, trying to, to figure out those next steps. Well, I hope we see you here full time next year. Thank you. Great interview there with Marty and some pretty honest um, thoughts, Junior, from, from Ricky Stenhouse. It sounds like still has a lot of respect for Jack and everything that happened, but caught him by, by surprise, too. Yeah, I thought he handled that interview very well, and uh, that's the way this business goes sometimes. Some, some hard decisions have to be made, and unfortunately, uh, Ricky's uh, going to have to go you know, get boots on the ground and figure out what opportunities may be out there for him. And, um, you know, I think it was just a shock for everybody because we had heard from Busher's side and, and the 37 team that they were working to close on an agreement uh, to keep Busher in that car. And Jack Roush uh, or the Roush organization had, an, uh, you know, some language in an old contract uh, that still tied them to uh, the services of, of Christopher Bush. So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy that... Uh, that that's what's come you know come about where it's come to light but those roush contracts have always been real yep. impressive over the years <laughs> and uh there's 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 you know there's uh there's reasons why roush is successful and jack is a smart smart businessman when he when he puts uh, words on a contract uh they're gonna they're they're not there for for no reason and uh th th this this has played out well for him because uh busher has uh, impressed people in that 37 car not just over the last several months he's been very competitive in that car uh, and won, won a race that he shouldn't have won even though it was uh, over strategy but uh, you know he put himself in that position and he's ran really really good uh, in that 37 car so I've always felt like that uh, Chris Buescher was a driver that would show out if given the right uh, race car and team uh, I feel the same way about Ricky Stenhouse, you know, and I'm not sure, sure if this is a lateral move for, for Busher, but um, look at what Ryan Newman has done to go from RCR to Roush Racing in one year. Chris, Chris Busher can look at that and be excited, I guess, about what might be there for him next year. These are tough times, I think, for all these people involved uh, to make these changes. Uh, so so dramatically, yeah. It's unfortunate for Ricky Stenhouse. You know, he is a he's an excellent representative uh, for all the sponsors that he's been involved with. He's a really good race car driver, and as he pointed out, the last two wins for Rouse Fenway have come uh, via him uh, getting the job done. So, uh, did those two wins being on plate tracks did that you know detract from his value a little bit? Uh, probably so in, in some people's eyes, but uh, I've always thought that given the right equipment, but I think the one thing, if Ricky has something that kind of works against him is that here comes a, a veteran, Ryan Newman, into the fold and has helped make this into a better team and organization as we see. Joseph I know, that's Newgarten. a sound you don't yeah, always hear. Yeah, you don't hear that. <laughs> Pretty cool, though, to, to hear that and to be able to watch him here, but I, I think that, you know, Ricky is a great driver, maybe not as good a communicator to help move the needle as far what was needed to make the race cars better there to compete at a higher level. But Chris Bush will go there and do well, and hopefully Ricky finds something that fits him.
So a discussion we'll continue to have throughout the course of the weekend. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what we're seeing out on the track right now. Junior, pretty cool to see uh, an Indy car out there with the with the champion behind the wheel. Yeah, absolutely. This is really awesome to be able to see what this car can do. Uh, this is a unique situation, I think, for IndyCar to make uh, laps at a at a roval. The transitions out of the infield road course up onto the banking have to be uh, rather challenging for this car and driver, so interesting to see this happen. I think that this isn't just uh, for fun here. I think that Marcus and his group would love to have these guys come here and race for real one day, uh -huh. and uh, this could be a trial we're looking at. Double header weekend. That's How about right. That? Wouldn't that be, be something? I think it, and to those cross promo, that cross promotion is, is well, really cool. Yeah, it is. And uh, you know, I, th I love the I love to theorize like, hey man, is this potential for a guy to come out here, this this series to come out here and race at this track? Double header would be a lot of fun. Yep. Hey guys, look at who joined the party. Clint Boyer. Clint Boyer. What do you and think about this? That space shuttle looks like it has a more grip <laughs> than our cars. But yeah. uh, you'd like to have those tires. It's like your a car? fighter jet. You know, on the ground. Joey Logano and I were just sitting there watching him hang out down there, and you know, it's the first time I've ever seen an Indy car on a racetrack. Yeah. I've been doing this a long time, yeah. and it's the first time I've. Act I heard it. I was like, man, that thing sounds weird. You know, yep. so cool to see. You know, another form of motorsports try out, uh, try his hand at, at this racetrack. And I think you're right. Um, you, you're probably seeing at the first test session uh, for IndyCar on on a uh, on, on our Roval right here. I think, you know, why wouldn't we bring those guys and embrace, uh, you know, their sport and um, join ours? I, I think it's a great idea. You were talking to Joseph down there, right? Did you get to I, talk I, to him? No, no? he blew okay. me off. I couldn't get close <laughs> Whatever. <too>. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Second championship. Yeah, yeah right. right. He was busy you, signing autographs. <laughs> but, um, no, it's just uh, super cool to, that they're here. And, and, hey, man, the guy just won a championship. Probably ought to be sitting on a boat somewhere celebrating. Said he's over here burning laps in Charlotte with us. Pretty cool. As he goes around this racetrack, um, what are some of the most challenging parts about this course yep. that, you, that you think would be, be presented to this IndyCar? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, I've never been on a track as treacherous as this one. It seems like there's so many opportunities to mess up, and I think you see that through the course of today's practice sessions, whether it was Xfinity or Cup, you saw people making mistakes, just stepping over that line the least little bit. I've never been on a racetrack uh, where it was that easy to do and, and not just that one corner you know every racetrack has that one yeah. corner um, this place it seems like almost every single corner you go through it's just holding your breath and, and praying you get through it what's your feelings on the new chicane on the back straightaway i like it and, and i said this in my media obligation today i said that i almost think it's it's more dangerous now than it was and i don't mean that as a safety aspect i mean that as as your overall performance in a day your outcome of the day um Everybody, a lot of us, including me, needing a big day out of this on Sunday. It's a very opportunist, uh, you know, uh, corner to, to make a mistake. I mean, it's so well, I did in qualifying. Qualifying, I, I overdrove the I'm talking this much, you know, and this thing starts wheel hopping and you're over. Is there a series of bumps in the surface of the track that uh, induce that wheel hopping there? Is it pretty you know, smooth? I don't think so. I think it's a, it's you're just asking a lot out of your equipment in a short amount of time. And, and everywhere, Watkins Glen, all those places seem like there's a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit of give room, right? There's none. Yeah. You're asking so much out of your car to go from wide open, fourth gear wide open, down to first gear, you know, in a corner that's so 
so slow to first gear. I've never been on any racetrack where you go from fourth clear down to first since that's kind of speed. Yeah, it looks like the infill part of this plant is is maybe the most treacherous that, that lacks the most yep. grip. I think it maybe is more that the tire doesn't fit up as well for that part of the course. Would that be accurate? The tire, it's hard to explain to somebody. People ask all the time, why is this track? Why, why do you say that? You know, why are you so nervous here? The tire, the grip level in the tire, and it's kind of been this way all season long. It's either stuck, you know, and you're comfortable and kind of complaining about needing to turn better, you know. It's too stuck. Free me up, free me up. And then all of a sudden, you get that tire the least little bit on top of the track, and it's like marbles. And that's what you see here with a lot of people making mistakes in practice. That thing right there looks extremely <laughs> stuck, though. He probably just went through that corner right there through three and four 70 mile an hour faster than anybody's been through there all day. But I tell you what, this ain't no just hanging out. You hear the tires sliding right like there? He's giving pushing it, it pretty yeah. hard. I, I yeah. have the time for his last lap. I don't know about this one, but what do you think? Fast. 11 seconds faster than William Byron's pull speed. <laughs> wow. And he had never been out here in this car. Thank they yeah. God they did the that lap. after everybody already left. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just like you said, Dale, I mean, to just go out there, what, he's been out there five laps, and, and he's already, you know, busting laps uh, 11 seconds faster than us. But it's going to be interesting to me to hear his comments on the racetrack. You know, this is such a drastically different, it's it's a temporary track for us, you know what I mean? I mean, it, 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 you, it really is. We change this and go back to the Oval for our spring race. Um, we've, we've never done that in our sport. Obviously, they do that, so he's probably a little bit more accustomed to it in his IndyCar and their season and the tracks that they go to than us, but I, I'm really interested to hear his comments on the racetrack. And, and uh, I mean, you can see that thing getting loose right there, wiggling. That's a treacherous corner for us. We've seen a lot of cars having uh, you know trouble getting through there, spinning out and hitting the wall right there, getting into three, and that car was a little bit, you know, tailing out. Yeah, I imagine there's some awkward parts of this racetrack, uh, whether you're in a cup car or any car, and they probably they probably counter some of those as well when they run the street courses. Those, those yeah. have to yeah. have some awkward positions and corners, but I always wondered about this car transitioning up onto the oval. We don't see them run rovals. Uh -huh. And the car, the transition onto the banking for something that's so close to the ground, depending upon, you know, depending upon that load, that downforce and that car being low, yeah. obviously that transition's not too bad, but getting up on turn one yeah. NASCAR. I think he was worried about, you know, talking to Joey before I came up here, he was definitely worried about the bumps on the racetrack. I can't tell you, he don't want to be on one of them turtles in that car. <laughs> the turtles are bad news bears for our cars. I want to see that space shuttle do it. it be, that thing jumps one time, he's going to the hook. But, um, you know, you asked Dale, and, and, and I guess that's a, a great way and the way I attack this track is you really have, you know, two, two things. You have the infield that you have to be good at, right? There's a lot of speed to be gained in those those short tight corners throughout the infield of the racetrack and then the other two are the interest of that chicane yeah. and it's how how gutsy are you going to be how hard are you willing to push it without stepping over the line and the other one is right behind us the entrance uh, of the turn that you know the, the last corners here on the front straightaway for in front of all the fans um, those two corners are very important and you can gain or lose a lot of time there just like throughout the infield um, one of the trickiest things about this track that I feel like is, is different, again, going to our, our familiar racetracks with Watkins Glen and Sonoma, is the difference. You almost have a Sonoma-type feel in the infield here, but then all of a sudden you get on that fast, high-speed part of the racetrack on our normal, you know, turns three and four and one and two. Um, that's big-time difference in speed 
um, that we have to deal with with our cup car and our crew chiefs, our engineers, and everybody else. That's a setup change. You can't. Our cars want to go fast, or they want to be short track cars. They don't want to do both. <laughs> So I'm sure you had a set of boxes to check off as this weekend approached, knowing what you have to do and, and what you want to do. You got one of those checked off. I'm sure that a top five starting position yeah. was, was one of those things. So you checked that off. Where do we go from here? What's your expectations and what do you have to do? Well, you have to think stage points. Stage points, you know, in our situation or everything, you got to live and die by those stage points. But I feel like we've been racing that way for the last month and a half or so. We really have. We've kind of prepared ourselves for this situation. Um, you can't allow them to get the those stage points you know they're in a situation four or five stage points for them is a big problem for us um, if that opportunity and that window opens up for them you've got to be able to take it you know from them or, or keep them from it um, you know whether that be stay out and get those stage points or whatever the case may be you've got to try to position yourself to not give them an opportunity to get stage points that you can't get that's I think is the hardest thing to try to navigate for my crew chief Mike and and every other crew chief in that situation and then the, the biggest problem with all of it is you got to stay on the racetrack. <laughs> Do not make a mistake and take yourself out of this situation, yeah. this opportunity for us. So you talk about how important stage points are to you in stage one, stage two, but that presents a, tr a tricky scenario at the end of the race for the other teams that did not yeah. use that strategy. Now you may be behind several of those teams. We saw it at Sonoma. Some guys were able to rebound and drive through that traffic. Some yeah. were not. Yeah. Uh, as a driver, is that frustrating, knowing that you've got to go in there and race a certain way and sort of of almost risk that finish yeah. at the end well it's I don't know that it's as frustrating as it is nerve-wracking you know just like Indy uh, I, I think back to Indy and that opportunity in the first state we qualified well right everything's going smooth and you're like all right how how can this mess up for us this is almost too easy and here it comes here comes the caution with what 10 to go or something we pitted Newman stayed out got those six points or whatever and that was not what I needed right there that evened our points back up and now you're nerve you, you know you're nervous again going into that second stage but you got to be patient you cannot freak out and make a mistake on this racetrack you've got to finish this thing and be there at the end of the thing because you never know what caution's going to happen whatever havoc's going to happen on that front straightaway that, that it took out what 10 12 cars that was a huge monumental difference in the outcome of the race for not only us but a lot of teams the 48 car you know going for that win um, that he was needing you know I mean that knocked him out and put some and put Kyle Larson in right there yeah. and there you know there's there's just you've got to stay in it stay focused keep moving forward and and um, you you know, stay focused on the task at hand, and that's hard to do when those stage points are all over the case, you know, the place, and 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 you know those cases and those situations are changing literally from lap to lap. Not to give everybody the the idea of what you may would do, but put yourself because I've thought about this. What would I've done in Jimmy Johnson's scenario last year? He you know, he could stay there in second place and make it into the next round of the playoffs, but he wanted to win a race because he hadn't done that in a while. That's so a you're not racing right a teammate. What might you do in that situation? I mean, you know, there isn't Are a racer alive that wouldn't be sitting there backwards, mad at himself for wrecking not only him but the leader and taking himself out of that situation and the the playoffs hopes and everything else. It's not a racer alive that wouldn't have took that. Yeah, I mean I that was an opportunity to win uh, the first race at a Roval and not to mention punch his ticket to the next deal. It was right there in front of him for the taking. He didn't mean to do that, but he was going for it. And, yeah. and that's there's not anybody in a sport at this level that wouldn't take that risk or they wouldn't be here. Yeah. Well, now. Clint Boyer has a decision to make because he can either stay here and listen to what's about to come up or he can head down to victory lane and go see it and see if he can catch Joseph Newgarden. Rutledge? 
Uh, I think I know which one Clint's going to make. You'll see him running through the background of my shot any minute. We're going to talk to the guy who just finished first in the first ever IndyCar Roval demo. Joseph Newgarden's going to join us when we get back. Welcome to Victory Lane here at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Roval. We're talking with a guy who somehow pulled through in the clinch, finished first in the first ever IndyCar demo on the Roval. Joseph Newgard, how was it out there, man? That looked amazing. You know, clearly I was the winner of the demo today. Um, I just felt like we were so much better than the competition. But uh, no, it was funny pulling into Victory Lane. It's like, yeah, you did laps. Uh, so, but it, it was honestly, it was a lot of fun. Um, this is a really cool opportunity Penzoil provided for us. It's been great to just showcase our partnership with them. They were a big part of both championships, Joey's last year, ours this year. So to get to drive my Chevrolet IndyCar uh, out here today, it was kind of a little bit of a treat for me, I would say, after the championship. This was like my gift, I feel like. It's hard to make cup drivers as jealous as you just did, but from Joey, Ryan Blaney, Clint Boyer was watching, uh, how did the track feel to you in this car? Uh, it honestly felt pretty good. I was really interested in the, you know, we're a different series, so we have a different tire make. And, um, you know, normally on, on back, to back weekends or, or a single weekend where you have different series running together you have to clean the track up every time your series goes out so i was kind of cleaning the track myself um and it was getting better each run but i tell you what I, the nascar guys I, what i love is they're interested in us and we're interested in them where you know you can tell that we're just racers they love our race cars i love theirs the only thing that would have made me more excited was if i would have been able to get in one of their cars today well you know we might we might be able to do that so just getting off the track if someone just said hey perfect world do you think it would be fun to run a cup car and say an indy car in the same week and do a double header would you be down for that uh, if you're asking me personally absolutely i mean i would love that opportunity one day um, i think it'd be really cool for the fans without a doubt you know why why would you not want to have that doubled up on a weekend i mean they're just both great championships and uh, i respect these guys so much and i, I love keeping in touch with what they're doing so having a little closer access to them and then vice versa for us i think it would be a win-win for everybody when you grabbed that trophy at Laguna Seca and you thought, all right, I'm a champion, I've, I've done it, did you know that the week would get capped off by doing this? No, I had no idea. It was a huge surprise from Pennzoil, and I'm so glad they did it. They've been such a cool partner for us. Um, you know, for all the, the right reasons, you know, they provide us the performance and the capability to go out and win, but they're really great people. They, they provide something cool like this. I mean, this is one of the best gifts I could be given after winning a championship. Well, this is awesome, man. Thanks for putting on such a great show. Krista, I, I don't know how he'll get out of here. The Cup drivers are literally just lining uh, the, the outside here on the way to the media center. He's going to be signing a lot of autographs. I love it. I love it. I love the smile, seeing the big smile on the champ's face, too. So cool to have him here. And Joseph and Rutledge are talking about a topic that, that's not going away, and that's the, the chance for a NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader. I know we talked about it, Dale, at the at the Indy 500. And, yes, it happens in truck series and IndyCars have, have shared the track before. But this discussion is sort of catching, catching fire. Yeah, and I think it's something that the fans want. I think, you know, we, we would, as fans, love to see the two series competing at the same racetrack during the same weekend because of the contrast. Uh, both would put on an amazing show. Uh, you would have amazing personalities from both series. So it, it would be, as Joseph said, a win for everyone. And I liked what he said about being in close proximity to the other drivers in each series. I think they could all rub off on each other in a positive way. Yeah, you know, I think it's a great idea. It needs to be made to happen sometime in the next couple of years. I know that schedules are set for next year, but we can look to 2021, and somebody needs to make this happen. And, Imagine uh, 
one, one more thing, Dale, sorry to interrupt you. Imagine the crossover that could yeah. happen in the drivers from series exactly. to series. You yeah. may see IndyCar drivers competing in yes. both events and yes. doing double duty. That might not happen right out of the gate the first time, but that would definitely be encouraged, and I'm sure would happen many, many more times as, as we did those uh, those uh, those double state double races. Yeah, they'd have to put up more stand. If it happened at a place like this, even yeah. though there are seats everywhere, I'm telling you, you'd have to bring stuff in. That'd be just an incredible weekend. Well, I always enjoyed you know covering the truck series and so those weekends. I would be in Texas, let's say, and you'd have the Indy cars and, and truck series, and it was a lot of fun. That's why I got to do a, a two seater ride along with Mario Andretti. Mario Andretti's here this weekend. Yes, he is. So we see the crossover continuing. Mm-hmm. Not a coincidence. All right. When we come back, you know, uh, let's talk about Bubba Wallace, who's been a big influence on him and his racing career. We're going to find out next in Behind the Driver. Fan Friday from Charlotte Motor Speedway continues after this. Welcome back after we're done here on Fan Friday. Stay tuned for Racing Roots featuring Denny Hamlin as we meet some of the people and the places that helped shape him into a superstar. Denny will have to start Sunday's race from the rear in a backup car after a crash in practice earlier today. And there were a lot of incidents. Bubba Wallace involved in one of those as well. Of course, Bubba carries himself with confidence. Who instilled that strong sense of self in him? The answer in this week's Behind the Driver. We all had people that influenced our lives, that got us in a direction and kind of helped mold who we are. Is there that person that you look back at how this started and have helped build you into the driver you are today? Yeah, I think you know, my dad and Chris Rogers, who helped us get started, who invited us to come out and watch him. A lot of wins, a lot of wrecks. So he was someone that was kind of teaching you the ropes, if you will. Is that yeah, right? yeah. He's been in go-karts forever. He had just been around for a long time, and he helped us from go-karts, bandoleros, legend cars, late models, pro challenge cars, if you remember those. Oh, wow. We had like four races. That's not on my resume. We don't even talk about those. Uh, what else did he help in? I'm not sure. Oh, what's up? <laughs> what's up, brother? Not much. How's it going? Good. <laughs> <laughs> we don't forget those people that matter, do we? Yeah, yeah, that's right. What did you think? What all is this going to take? Is he so talented this is going to be fun to do? It was pretty easy. Well, I took him to a nationally first race. Jasper, Florida. It's called Jasper's Speed. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did good all day. Went out for five. He ran off the end of the racetrack. Almost out in the traffic. <laughs> so, I did. But we, he didn't give up. We, we put it all back together, and he went back out there and did it again. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he never raced before. What were the challenges along the way, though? Oh, tension tantrums. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I had to throw a couple water bottles at him here and there. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I remember yeah. that. I think I wish I would have realized how smart my dad was when I was young because I wasn't listening to nearly enough. But were there memories? Special memories. I mean, winning our first race at Concord. I mean, I, I agree with you. I wish we all would have listened back then. For us, we just went to the track and raced. Yeah. We put our hearts on the line every time and thought that was it. And whatever they said to do this, do that, you're like, okay, yeah. But then you look back on it, it's like, yeah, that's actually the right thing to do even to this day racing on Sundays. Bubba Wallace with the run of his career. That's all about momentum and, and where you set yourself up on the racetrack and how you race. Bubba Wallace wheeling the Kings legendary number 43, running in third. He's trying to keep everybody behind him. It all goes back to day one working with Chris and my dad. And like you said, we didn't listen enough. You know, now that you mature a little bit, you can just cherish those moments. He's considered a, uh, 
an African-American kid having mixed parents with uh, me being white, of course, and the mom being black. Last year at one track, you know, he we had some racial slurs that was said towards him, and it kind of, he didn't like that, didn't understand why. You know, we always fought for what was right and what was fair, uh, and that's what they taught me a lot. We always had that fire and desire. Refusing to lose, that was the biggest battle. Yeah, really? Yeah, he did not like losing. What's his job? We didn't want to lose, and, and if somebody would take us out, we'd go back up there and give it our all. I text him on Sunday and give him a hard time all the time, tell him what he's doing wrong, yeah. what he's doing right. And I sit there and think of, if we never would have met Chris, I wouldn't be here today. That was great. See you, Slick. Love you, bro. these stories are just so much fun and I'm sure you had a good time with that one Dale yeah it really was fun and to see that that partnership that they had that friendship that is still there and just how much it meant to each one of them to watch Bubba move along and, and go through each series and become a better driver better person he hasn't lost that intensity to want to win I saw him and a couple other the coke drivers Austin Dillon and Joey Logano and a few of them get in a foot race over at the drag strip the other day <laughs> Bubba whipped him I'll say that he did win that but he drove the race of his life in my opinion at Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago I know that he had that great finish at the Daytona 500, but that was impressive what he did. He's an excellent race driver just looking to take that next step. Yeah, I love these uh, these opportunities to see a little bit of a behind-the-scenes for these drivers. We we get a lot of great storylines at the track, what they're doing currently in their race cars, but this is a way to sort of understand who they are and how they became the drivers that they are today and the opportunities that they have out there in the Cup Series, how that all developed. Uh, Sunday, we're having another behind the driver, William Byron, who's the pole sitter. Uh, so we're looking forward to that as well. In case you like these as well, we'll kind of keep them coming for you. But something else that's coming up that's cool is Drivers and Dreams, the debut of a, a really cool show on Saturday at 1 o'clock. That's when you'll see it. And we go all over the place, Alaska, Maine, uh, New Mexico. All of it was shot at local tracks on the very same day, which makes it really cool. And I know you're doing something with one of the hottest uh, local drivers coming up at, at Martinsville. Yeah, actually, we got Bubba Pollard racing for Junior Motorsports next weekend in the big 300 lapper at Martinsville, the biggest late model race, late model stock car race of the year. Bubba's agreed to drive for us in a Junior Motorsports car with his teammate uh, Josh Berry. Uh, Bubba's just an incredible racer, uh, a legend, really, yeah. in the making uh, and, and still competing, winning everything. So going to be exciting for, for not only us, I think, but for the series, for the other drivers. It's going to bring a huge spotlight to that race and all the individuals that are part of that series. So it's going to be a fun weekend. It's a tough race to win. Yeah. It's going to be wild. The finishes are always brutal for a lot of drivers. <laughs> it's been for us in the past, but we're just glad to be a part of it. And how about a shout-out to Michael McDowell today? Oh, my gosh. Kidney stones. Kidney stones. Comes back and qualifies. Kidney back on this car. That is incredible. We hope you've enjoyed this uh, Fan Friday. We will see you tomorrow for more coverage here from the Roval Charlotte Motor Speedway. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.